Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. New York City's present crisis and turmoil, some call it a decline without hesitation, is the subject of this episode. Soaring crime and homicides, homelessness and a drug epidemic, violence on the streets and subways, graffiti and the mass exodus of New York City residents. It's all in a new film documentary series. This is New York by my guest, the filmmaker and director, Matthew Taylor. You know, I think what you're seeing is that people are terrified about the direction of the city. I mean, if you look at the polling, the number one issue on people's minds is crime. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter. That is not a partisan issue. You know, if being attacked on the subway or being attacked on the street or being shot or being mugged or any of these things, these are not partisan issues. These are everyday issues. I think if you were to ask, you know, most New Yorkers, you know, is crime important? They would say absolutely, especially if you were here in the early 90s, late 80s, or even the 70s. And so I think ultimately, these issues are in a way, so real and so visceral, because look, you can't help but step outside your apartment and see it happening. You see it, you see it, you know, you don't, you don't need anyone to tell you that the environment is dangerous. You'll know, right? New York City, it makes no bones about it that an environment is not safe. You'll feel the threat and people are feeling it and they're going to convert it into how they vote. That was Matthew Taylor with a wee clip from my interview with him coming up on his new documentary series, This Is New York, an unfarnished, brutally honest and a captivating account of New York's, well, let's call it straight, decline. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Sherlock, it's grand to have you back. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Well, I hope you're all doing well, no matter where in the world you are, We'll have some exciting news in the coming weeks as we take our podcast up many notches with a new look and website and some great changes. I also hope all my friends and family and acquaintances are hanging in there in New York City. 
appropriately, my guest is the director and filmmaker Matthew Taylor. He's here to talk to me about his new film documentary. This is New York. It's brutally honest and it takes account of the city's current implosion and what we might expect going forward. I first asked Matthew to give us a recap of his background. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Yes, I've been uh, making films for a long time. I do. I came from the fine arts world, uh, you know, and so I actually am a sculptor who became a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, we made a film on Marcel Duchamp that came out in 2020. Um, and, you know, that was filmed all over the world. And so I've had a lot of interest in doing projects on New York City um, because I find it to be a place that is endlessly fascinating, has a wonderful history, um, and it's just, it's unlimited stories. Yeah, that's true. And there's such a, I mean, cosmopolitan is not a good word here. It's, it's, it's super cosmopolitan. They come from everywhere and all demographics and all IQs and education levels. It's amazing. And it struck me one day that maybe that's what makes New York special. Where will you see a group of people from different countries sitting mm-hmm. around a chessboard, playing a game and exchanging ideas a lot of things go on in New York that are special. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's great because my mother-in-law came to visit a number of years ago and she looked around. She's from Southern California and said, it's amazing that everybody here is so crammed together but gets along. And it really did achieve a lot of a lot of the diversity and kind of the the uh, cramming everyone together and everyone just having to deal with you know everybody else and it works it's a it's a ecosystem that is unlike any other in the world maybe some of the asian cities and and china and you know and and japan and places like that have have so many people crammed together but this is so many different people from all over the world from everywhere uh basically forming an economy and forming a a society uh on a tiny island yeah, well, we're going to again, we're going to talk about your documentary in a moment. But just back on that point, you know, New York has gone through a lot of different episodes, good and bad. And it's now, I guess, arguably in serious decline. I do feel that it comes back eventually. Maybe this time around it won't. But if you look at New York, it's placed geographically, the brain thrust, the creativity, the demographics. And all those special things it offers, that's very difficult to replicate anywhere in the world. Well, absolutely. It was a gateway initially. It's changed hands from country to country a couple of times, the Dutch, the English, and eventually one of the you know pivot points to becoming the United States of America. Um, and New York City has many different phases. It was a port for many immigrants. It was a part uh, multiple times over. New York City is one of those cities that has changed decade to decade, and in some instances, century to century. It is a very old port. It's a strategic port. It's important for commerce. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a sister city to, to London in some ways when it comes to finance. And so in a lot of ways, this place is kind of the, the birthplace of a series of ideas that would expand to become, you know, the continental United States of America. 
uh, highways were born there. Electricity was born there. Tall buildings were born there. You know, there was many things that came out of it. And it's, and it's generation upon generation that has built this place uh, that kind of, kind of represents, a, in a way, a shining city on the hill for the United States and really a pinnacle of mankind's achievement in many ways. You've spent some years in New York, not all your life, and um, so you've you, you've soaked it up, and you 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 follow New York very closely. Where are you these days? Right now, I'm in Austin, Texas, working on another film. Uh, but you know, again, my time in New York was in the late '80s to the early '90s when my family worked in the city, and then I returned uh, in 2014. To, to do a number of things there and live there for uh, a while. And so, you know, again, it's, it's uh, one of those cities that I find that no matter when you leave, you can always come back to. Um, and it will, when you come back to, it will be a different city. Uh, it changes yeah. very rapidly. And that's actually one of the exciting parts about the city. So when you're done with this project, you go back and it's changed into something else. The question is, what has it changed into and where is it heading? Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about, because you have a new documentary out, This Is New York. I've watched it, and it's fascinating. It doesn't paint a pretty picture of New York's present state. When I watched it, the thing that immediately came to mind was, was this a COVID-19 um, type movie? Was this what it was all about? And then I had to pay closer attention. I said, no, COVID-19 intersects clearly, but it's more than that. There's a lot of problems here. And what does, tell us, walk us through the documentary. So there are three episodes and there are some sub episodes. And so the three episodes cover crime, which is, of course, a big topic on New Yorkers' minds right now. Um, and it's also been part of the history of New York City going all the way back to the beginning. It, uh, we cover quality of life, about what it's like to live in New York City, what it's like to live in tiny apartments and take trains and interact with the businesses and things like that. And then finally, we cover school choice, about education in the city, people in, uh, around the city and, and the outer boroughs in Harlem and South Bronx and places like that. And so this, the film series really covers all of New York City's life. It covers, it's shot in all five boroughs. Uh, New York City is more than just Midtown for, for those of, of us who don't live there. Um, there are five boroughs, it's 300 and some odd square miles of city. There's a lot going on in the outer boroughs. There's a lot going on in, in Queens and the far Rockaways and all these other places. And so we traveled to those places. Everything was shot within the last six weeks um, to make sure that everything was as current as possible. There's not a stitch of any kind of stock footage. It's all shot on location uh, to make sure that everything is accurate. So we really represent those places that even some New Yorkers probably have never seen uh, in these other boroughs. And so it, it covers essentially the, you know, talking to the people who understand New York the best, and that is New Yorkers. We talk to mothers and business owners uh, and in all sorts of places. We go to neighborhoods and talk to to uh, uh, the owner of Mike's Deli on Arthur Avenue in Little Italy, which, by the way, is a wonderful part of the Bronx. And so we cover all of these places to really kind of talk to them and say, hey, how is it going? What's going on? You know, because while COVID um, and the pandemic uh, clearly was devastating for New York City, it also merely accelerated a decline that seems to have already been in motion. Um, it just got us there faster. 
And all of the issues that come up during our interviews would be issues whether COVID had happened or not. Um, and so that is kind of what we cover um, in the documentary. And it's their voices. There's no narrator. It's the people themselves discussing their daily lives as New Yorkers. Yeah, it's beautifully made and uh, fast flowing and a lot of great voices out of New York in it, ordinary people and some leaders. Ray Kelly, the former New York City police chief, was on it. Yes, Ray Kelly, he's the longest serving, in my, I believe, in, uh, police commissioner in New York history, because, of course, he served under Mayor Dinkins uh, in the late 80s and early 90s and, of course, throughout Bloomberg, you know, and his view of where New York is heading was very grim. You know, mm -hmm. in some ways, it, it was it's probably the most grim uh, I heard throughout our, our many, many interviews talking to people because, you know, the foundation of how New York City works is based on the citizen feeling safe. You know, it's a pedestrian city. It, this is one of the things that separates it from most other American cities. And America has a great deal of wonderful cities, but this one is a very pedestrian city. You walk to go to the go to the bank, you walk to get your, you know, your groceries, you walk to get your laundry, unless you're lucky enough to have in-house laundry in your, in your apartment, yeah, you know, right. but you're constantly <laughs> on the street. So it's a pedestrian yeah. city. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, look, that, that is the, that is the, one of the fundamental kind of parts of New York city. You take the subway, you take, I mean, in some instances you take a ferry. Um, and so you're constantly out and about, and how the street operates um, basically determines how your quality of life will be. And if you go out and there's all the businesses are closed and there's nobody on the street and there's nobody looking around, uh, what happens is the criminal element may, you know, is allowed to per pervade throughout the streets. And you saw this again in the 70s and 80s and early 90s where people were being attacked and murdered um, all over the place. There were 2,800 murders in 1990. I mean, that is a huge number. That's like multiple 747s crashing. Mm. And if that happened in the airline industry, everybody, the federal government would, would be all up in arms. But this was happening every single year in this city, and people just got used to it. Um, but of course, in the last you know 20 some odd years, almost 30 years, the city has become safe again for pedestrians to move about. And look, one of the things that I love about New York is that you can stop anywhere and just look around and hang out because everything is amazing to look at. But if that's taken away, I mean, that's another that's another aspect of New York City, the energy and the in the yeah. and kind of the invigoration to to tough it out. You know, it's a tough place to be, uh, but usually you're rewarded with something. And if you remove those rewards and you make it difficult, um, you know, and Ray, Ray Kelly uh, did not think that the city was heading in a good place and did not think it could be turned around for quite a while. And so we'll see because a lot of damage has been done over the last, you know, eight or so years. Were you planning this movie prior to COVID or did, was COVID the trigger? We had been planning this project for a while, uh, way before we had been ever heard of COVID. And we had actually started uh, in early 2019. Um, but unfortunately, you know, just with productions and so on and so forth, you know, we were delayed. And of course, as 2020 came about, then COVID struck. 
Um, and then we weren't able to resume any kind of production till late in 2020. And then eventually into this year, 2021. So, you know, New York stories are endless, as I said before. And what's great is that at different eras, you'll interview different people and you'll get very different uh, reactions. And what's interesting about this is you're having people talk about uh, a New York City, returning to a New York City that has largely become mythical to most of the people who have moved there in the last, say, 20 years. You know, people who have moved there, say, 10, 15 years ago, you know, have only seen a wonderful, nice New York. They've only seen a clean, you know, clean streets. I mean, relatively for New York, they've only seen subways that you can ride at four in the morning. They've only seen uh, the ability to go into Alphabet City and go to bars and Avenue C and Avenue B uh, to go to these interesting neighborhoods, to hang out in parts of Brooklyn, Prospect Park and all these places under the idea that the city is wonderful and safe. They've never seen the old New York City, like where Bryant Park was, say, full of, of drug dealers and, yeah. and drug addicts. They've never seen that city. Yeah. And, you know, it's a myth. It's, it's something you hear about from law and order. And what happened is people have been inside for the last year while the city outside has changed into something they don't understand and or recognize. And if you consider, you know, if you're, if you're a young person, who came to the city to make their bones because that's what you do in New York mm. and you go out and now there's outdoor dining because of COVID restrictions. You set your iPhone or purse on the table. You can do, you used to be able to do that because it was generally safe. And now you do that and your purse will get snatched. You could get punched in the face. The assaults are up. And the thing is, is that the, these people are not prepared as the city opens up, as, as, it, as it comes back, um, they're coming back to a very different environment. Uh, and we'll see how it, hap- how it goes throughout the summer because the city is going to open back up. People are going to spill out into the streets. We already see chaos in Washington Square Park, uh, yeah. which has been one of the big stories lately. Uh, we're already seeing assaults are up and people are getting punched. Um, I mean, look, they report on shootings, but they don't report on assaults and attacks. That doesn't get reported. And those are happening every day all over the place. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My guest is the director and filmmaker Matthew Taylor, and he's talking to me about his new documentary, This Is New York. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Yeah, I remember when we came to this country, we came to New York City. It's going back three decades. And the sight of Times Square back then compared to today, I mean, graffiti all over the place, uh, lawlessness, boarded up buildings. I mean, it was a war zone. 
I was shocked in the sense that here was the capital of the world, the city center was a total disaster. It certainly wasn't a, a tourist attraction the way it has become now. Quite an amazing transformation. Absolutely. I mean, Times Square is probably one of the most notable points of how things changed. You know, it's interesting because when I was filming in the city a number of weeks ago, I had not seen this much graffiti since 1991. Um, and not just graffiti and say the Bowery, which was covered in graffiti, um, but graffiti in Midtown and other places where you wouldn't see it. And one of the interesting things is, look, it's a big city with a lot of people and things are, you know, are down, bound to happen, you know, in various areas. Crime is always with us. What's shocking people is the fact that there is crime in places where there's usually not crime. You know, again, like Washington Square Park and people being shot in Times Square. I mean, that is generally unheard of in this contemporary time. You know, the gentleman who was just recently shot uh, by, a, by a street vendor who sells CDs. You know, these are places it, without tourism. New York City will suffer. New York City is a place that the, everyone all over the entire world visits. Like you said, you arrive, you go there, you see the lights. Maybe New Yorkers don't like to visit Times Square, um, but other people like to visit Times Square. People from all over the world, people from Ohio, California, Argentina, um, if they don't feel safe to visit the city, they just won't. And if they don't come, then they don't invest in all the things that New York has to offer. Um, you know, then the city will lose massive amounts of its revenue. It will it will hurt the businesses. The businesses will close. The streets will be abandoned, and it will further perpetuate this downward death spiral that the city could potentially go into. All the statistics on New York right now are dismal. We look at the huge mm -hmm. exodus of New Yorkers. I mean, in one twelve month period of at the start of this year. Uh, something like 300,000 New Yorkers packed up and went. I mean, these are net net numbers that we're talking about. Crime is up. Uh, lawlessness is up. Homelessness is up. Quality of life, graffiti, every, everything you can think of is going in the wrong direction. Absolutely. You know, again, New York City has always been a punishing place to be, uh, even in the best of times, right? You don't, you, you come there to tough it out to fight with other people, to claw your way to the top view of a myriad of industries, whether it's fashion, finance, music, arts. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things you could do there. Uh, people are vendors, people open bodegas and all these kinds of things. That's, that's what you do. And that difficulty of living in New York is part of what makes New York, New York, right? But the thing is, is that all of that is, is, the reason you do all of those things is because the promise is that if you fight it out and you live in a, you know, an apartment with 17 other people and travel in the subways and work long hours, um, there's a reward, right? New York City provides a reward. It provides uh, the ability and the chance to do great things. You get to meet great people. You get to do all these things. Um, the pro problem is if that is removed, if that doesn't exist anymore, yeah. then why do it? Why pay the rent? Why suffer through all these things? This is why people are going to places like Texas and Florida, 
uh, and they are fleeing the cities because look, other cities um, have have opportunities as well. Yes, they're not as sexy and fun as New York City all the time. But the question is, is New York really all that sexy and fun right now when everything is closed? I mean, I think nearly all my favorite restaurants uh, have closed. One of my favorite bars that has been opened up since the Civil War closed. They survived 9-11. Yeah. They survived, you know, all the multiple world wars, financial collapse, collapses, and they can't survive, you know, what is going on there now. And that's indicative of the direction the city is heading. Now, you know, will it come back? I think there are some opportunities for it to come back, but I think it will come back as something incredibly different than what we knew it as. The past summer we've had last year, we had civil unrest on the streets in New York, like other cities. Um, when I watched your documentaries, I wondered were you tempted to interview alternative voices, the extremists on the left, for example, AOC or you know, Mayor de Blasio or something, or those who have these sociological theories of white supremacy, or it's all about fat capitalists destroying our city. Had you thought about doing that? Or maybe the voices you put on screen are the real voices. of These are... These are the majority, perhaps. You know, the thing is, is that, it, you know, it, it's a film series that's really about the people of New York. I think politicians, for the most part, have a microphone and they have a megaphone. Uh, they have a constituency and an ability to talk and tweet and do all these things. But, you know, that mother in, in, in Queens who is concerned about what her child's going to do because she doesn't have a school or that father who wants to make sure their child gets a good education, or that guy who owns a who owns a, a bodega that is being plagued by by crime. Um, you know who's their voice? These people are supposed to be their voice, uh, but they're not. And so you know we really wanted to talk to those people. You know, in some instances, you know, I think with the context of of crime, you do talk to a police commissioner. You know, but I think for the most part, you know, we really wanted to focus on the citizens on the ground, you know, we wanted to focus on those people, you know, what are, how are you living, especially people who had, who had lived there for a long time, you know, who had seen the transitions. We did talk to people who had been either lifelong New Yorkers um, or had been there long enough to see the transition, you know, and, and so there's a, there's really a nonpartisan streak through this. It's a, it's a, a pro New York film series. And in a lot of ways, I say, you know, we represent the people of New York, you know, yeah. allowing them to speak. Uh, and I think that's that's the big issue. There's 8.2 million people in New York City. Um, and so one senator or one congressman or one you know mayor or anybody doesn't speak for all of them. They all have different experiences. I mean, look, within Brooklyn alone, the, the neighborhoods within Brooklyn are very different. You know, the neighborhoods within within lower Manhattan are very different. The diversity is, is huge and extreme. You know, it's the only shame is that I can't interview more people and let more people talk about, you know, what it's like to live in the East Village and what it's like to live near Coney Island, you know, and why is it even called Coney Island? Because it's not an island anymore. You know, that, that's, the, <laughs> yeah. that's the interesting stuff, you know? <laughs> This decline was happening prior to COVID. So the question then becomes, what's the fix? What's the solution to put 
New York rice? You know, it's interesting because, you know, whenever you sit down to do a project like this, you know, the question is, well, what, you know, what, what is the, you know, what's it, what's the, how's it going to end? And to an extent, you know, I think that, you know, the solution is in the hands of, of the public officials, ultimately, you know, and I think that, you know, if you're mayor or your city council member, you know, this is a lot of these things have to do with decisions you make for the population, you know, and I think that it's important that the people are heard um, by these people who represent them. You know, I think that, again, you know, I said, I think New York City uh, definitely will come back. Um, But the question is, what does it come back as, um, you know, and the thing is, does it come back as a San Francisco you know, it does it become so expensive that only giant corporations like Google and Facebook can buy massive city blocks and bring in their employees and everybody else gets pushed out? Uh, does it come back where the mom and pop shops have been annihilated partially by COVID, but also by the long you know, term taxation and other regulatory kind of uh, roadblocks? Uh, th- these are the things that that you know New York could turn into, and so it could be safe and nice, but boring. You know, yeah. that's that's another threat to New York. I mean, this is actually something people don't think about. You know, that the aspect of being boring um, and expensive uh, is is threatening as it is being dangerous and expensive. Yeah. You yeah. know, why are you there? Why put up with all this nonsense? Um, you know, and say, look, New Yorkers are resilient and wonderful people. People say they're rude. They're not rude. Uh, they're just moving very quickly. Uh, and they're very nice. They love to show people around. They'll go here, do this, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but again, you know, that will change. Um, and if it, if it squeezes it out, then what's New York's identity besides a shell of its former self? Well, you really begin to worry when you talk to and read stories about billionaires and the ultra rich leaving because of the high taxation and threats of additional taxes. Well, absolutely. I mean, you've seen people flee the city in in droves, um, and you've definitely seen high worth individuals leave the city. I mean, of course, you know the infamous you know uh, street in New York is Billionaires Row, where the apartments are hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, and and to to the extent where you also have the threat of of you know foreign oligarchs coming in and buying up these places as tax havens, you know, and that does change the city. Uh, it changes the dynamic. Look, New York City has always been a place uh, that has housed the ultra rich. Um, it's always had that glamour um, of of you know Wall Street and all these places. Um, but again, you know, you also have to have the on the ground economy, and you have to have the dynamic. I mean, the beauty of New York, right, is you could be taking the subway and you can look across and see Keanu Reeves also taking the subway, yeah. right? No matter how rich you are, no matter how much money you have, you got to come down to the street at some point, right? You have to, that's the city. The, the, the city can be the great equalizer simply because it's faster to take a subway than to take a car. Um, and, you know, so it's, you'll be riding the subway with, with Jay-Z or, or like I said, Keanu Reeves, um, because that, lifestyle, they actually enjoy it too. And so, you know, if those people who, 
who add to the economy um, greatly, by the way, uh, leave and go somewhere else, um, then who's going to make up for that tax loss? Who's going to make up for the loss of culture? Um, you know, these people also invest greatly in the things we love, like the Met and, you know, the art museums and all these things that we love um, are also you know, propped up by, by high worth individuals who think they're important to keep the city alive. And we don't want that investment going elsewhere. On your documentary, it's not affiliated with any campaign or political party. It's completely independent. Can you make that clear? Absolutely. This is not a campaign effort. It is not a political effort. They are documentaries that are, you know, nonpartisan. There's many Democrats and Republicans inside the, the film because at the end of the day, they're all New Yorkers. You know, the city will treat you um, the same way no matter how you sign your ballot or your, your voting registration. It yeah. will be just as difficult uh, to everybody. And so again, you know, it, it, look, it is a heavily Democrat city, um, but that doesn't change the enjoyment factor uh, or it, it wouldn't change it if it was a heavily Republican city either. And so, you know, we're not interested in, in political parties and partisanship. We're interested in New Yorkers uh, being able to live and create and, you know, complain as much as they like. Uh, and, and to get New York City back up uh, and running and be the greatest city in the country, if not the world. Was it easy to make the documentary without scoring some political points or making a political point? For example, when we talk about high taxes and crime, I mean, that's become a partisan issue. You know, Republicans traditionally want low taxes. Democrats want more taxes. Crime. Law and order is a Republican issue primarily, and the Democrats less so, although now we see a shift occurring in New York. Well, you know, what's interesting about a lot of the topics that we decided to tackle was, you know, look, nobody wants to be pushed in front of a subway train. Uh, nobody wants to be punched in the face. And so that's essentially a lot of the perspective we take. We don't want you to be punched in the face and we don't want you to be pushed in front of a subway and we want your child to get a good education. Um, you know, we want your business to be open. And so I think that those are points that all people can agree on, no matter how, you know, or where you stand on the political spectrum. You know, how you do it, that is a different discussion. And that's not the discussion that's in these films. Our, our discussion is that these things are happening and, you know, everybody should probably come together and come to, you know, come up with a solution that's good for everybody. I mean, New York City is a big place and high taxes are a way of life and high rent is very, it's, it's part of the it's part of living there, you know. And so I think the thing is, is that the issues that we are looking at are the critical breakdowns um, that need to be addressed right now. Um, and again, how that solution comes out or, or where it comes from, you know, the people of New York City are really going to have to sit and think, you know, and here's the thing. If you can't go outside, you can have plenty of time to think about, yeah. you know, what's going on, you know. And so, again, these are a lot of issues that we, you know, that we pick that are not particularly always partisan. They are everyday life for real people. We have a mayoral election coming up and we're in the throes of it and that whole dynamic. How will 
what's happening in New York play into that in terms of how the voters cast our ballots? You know, I think what you're seeing is that people, you know, are terrified about the direction of the city. I mean, if you look at the polling, the number one issue on people's minds is crime. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter. Again, this goes back to our previous kind of question. That is not a partisan issue. You know, if being attacked on the subway or being attacked on the street or being shot or being mugged or any of these things, these are not partisan issues. These are everyday issues. And it doesn't, you know, I think if you were to ask, you know, most New Yorkers, you know, is crime important? They would say absolutely, especially if you were here um, in the early 90s, late 80s, or even the 70s. And so I think ultimately these issues are in a way so real and so visceral because look, you can't help but step outside your apartment and see it happening. You see it, you see it, you know, you don't, you don't need anyone to tell you that the environment is dangerous. You'll know, right? New York city, it makes no bones about it, that an environment is not safe. You'll feel the threat and people are feeling it and they're going to convert it into how they vote. Well, all of that comes across in the documentary so clearly, the anxious voices that speak up to you and very some articulate New Yorkers, and they all sort of agree on all these fundamental issues. Was it easy to identify and get these people to speak in front of your camera? It actually was not that difficult because people are truly worried. They're truly troubled by what's going on. They're, they are, you know, you, you ask a mother about their kids and their education and their future, an immigrant mother from Queens, you know, this is, a, this is something that keeps her up at night. And so, yes, they absolutely want to talk about, you know, their, their child who's, say, in a charter school who could not be in a charter school or may, you know, be, be stuck in a zip code where they can't get a good ed- education or somebody who has a restaurant that their family passed down for a number of generations that is going under. Um, yes, those people want their voice heard because, again, they believe, um, and rightly so, that the, the reason things are the way they are is because, you know, there is just systemic issues within the city that have, again, were accelerated by COVID, but were already started, starting to show uh, before the pandemic. One of the scenes that struck me was the drive-by shooting. I think it was somebody took a gun out and drove by and shot a young kid. It was horrendous. And I just don't feel that was ever properly addressed by the city. It was sort of brushed under the carpet. The tears those family members must have felt and and the heartbreak is just unimaginable. Well, look, I mean, you just had a scenario where, you know, Congressman Ocasio-Cortez said that crime going up is hysteria, right? And again, you know, it's not hysteria. These are real numbers. These are real people. Uh, they're, and it doesn't matter if they're Republicans or Democrats. If someone drives up and shoots you or punches you in the face, and the reason I use the punch you in the face one a lot is because that's actually, that's never reported. That's mm-hmm. all the crime that you don't even hear about. So right? you're it's saying that there's a lot of unreported crime those quality of life crime, they're not on the police blotter. No, I mean, look, why would the New York uh, Times, uh, they already don't report any of the shootings, but why, you know, the New York Post is one of the few that actually does. But if you had to report every assault, 
in the yeah. city. I mean, that's yeah. all you would be reporting on exactly right now. Exactly right. You know? And so again, you know, I think that these are these are real life issues for real people. And, you know, there's there when you come out and say it's hysteria, um, it's not hysteria for the people who got shot. It's not hysteria for the people who were mugged. It's not hysteria for the for the people who are targets um, of a bad element uh, that's that's in the city right now. It's very real. And look, if one person's attacked or assaulted, it, it affects the whole community. You yeah. only need a couple of these incidents for people to be afraid to go out in the whole community. You know, and so it, it, the, the thing that has to happen is the city has to be, you know, gotten under control so it can become safe. And then you can rebuild all the businesses and all the fun stuff that we all love to do. I'm not sure if this is exactly right, but I bet there's some truth in it. I believe the majority of New Yorkers, as you say, want law and order and they want police on the street. But a lot of neighborhoods are fear going out on the street to call for it, direct action, like marching peacefully and putting signs out there. We want police. We want police reform. We want more our streets safe. Maybe they fear um, intimidation or assault themselves from the, those who have a different agenda. I think the NYPD is in a difficult position. You know, you have a scenario where, look, reform is good. Everybody can reform. We can all become better people. We can all do better, right? There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, but unfortunately, this, the fabric of New York City is kind of linked again, as I said many times, to its safety and to the fear factor. And so the thing is, is that when you have citizens who are not willing to call the NYPD because, you know, they're afraid that it will look politically incorrect, um, look, frankly, that's crazy. It's your safety. You know, um, it's, it's, it's your neighborhood safety. And look, do, does the NYPD need to be reformed? Sure. That's completely reasonable. Everybody, every, every, you know, public sector uh, entity can do better. Um, but to completely eliminate some of those, those positions and in, in, in police, I think is potentially dangerous. And you find that some of the neighborhoods that want policing the most are, you know, these, you know, places like the Bronx, uh, South Bronx, and parts of Harlem and places like that, um, where safety is paramount. Um, and so I, th I think that, you know, ultimately, um, people are going to have to come to terms with what they really want the city to be like, you know, do they really want, you know, to get rid of the police um, and allow people to kind of do whatever they want? Uh, is that the kind of city you want? Because we've had that city before. Um, and, you know, it's some people think of it fondly. Uh, and they look back and go, oh, those were the days when you could just do anything. Um, yeah. But the majority of people don't think that way. Yeah. And when I said reform, obviously, I meant we need more police in the streets. Uh, we need the special crimes units. We need people having no fear in coming forward and reporting crime from a, a, a drug plagued neighborhood. How do you think the police are dealing with this? They must be morale must be at an all time low in at the NYPD. Well, you know, you've seen it across the country. You've had, you know, cities with police departments where everybody has, you know, quit. Uh, you know, I think this happened in Portland um, and places like that. And so, 
You know, look, the, the NYPD has has a difficult job. I mean, if you if you came around 2015, you know, and you went over to the World Trade Center, you would, you know, you see tourists getting pictures with them. They they are a fixture of New York City, especially post 9-11. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're on the ground. One of the interesting things about the NYPD is they don't particularly sit in cars like other police departments in other cities. They are as well pedestrian. They're on the street. They're directing traffic. They're helping people with directions. You know, they're, 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 they're doing all sorts of things that are integrated into the community. And, you know, I, I think sometimes people forget this. Um, they are people as well. You know, and they they are New Yorkers and they are voters and they are, you know, they also add to the economy. Um, And so I think the thing is, is that this idea of dehumanizing the NYPD uh, and turning them into kind of like a a robot group of enforcers, the Cylons or something, um, I think has has uh, effectively um, hurt morale. They clearly don't support the mayor. You know, and again, you know, are there bad cops? Yes, there's been plenty of stories, you know, throughout New York's history. Um, and are, are there now? Absolutely. And again, reform is good. Um, but, you know, to completely eliminate the police department and police presence, especially in certain neighborhoods that really, really want them, uh, I think could be deeply damaging to, you know, look, the parts of the city that, you know, people are frankly not marching in. You know, I don't see any any marches in South Bronx and I don't see any marches in, in Brownsville and other places. I see them in midtown Manhattan. Uh, and by the way, surrounded by the NYPD to keep the mar- the protesters safe, you know? And so, so, you know, I think, I think there's a wee bit of hypocrisy there uh, where there could be valid criticism and valid reform that actually would probably be positive for everybody. No, the NYPD do a terrific job. We certainly need them. Of course, they felt the heat in the wake of George Floyd and police departments nationwide did. But, you know, that shouldn't be the reason to get rid of the NYPD or police departments. A little bit of reform, as you said. Certainly, there's every institution needs to be cleaned up every so often. Doesn't mean you eliminate an institution I'm wondering um, what about, you know, shadowy, sinister groups that we are told infiltrate social movements in America in the past year. We saw the riots on the streets, depending on who you listen to, we're told, okay, well, that was all fueled by these outside groups um, who are just intent on creating chaos. I'm wondering, is, is that accurate to begin with? And did it impact New York City? I mean, you know, there are clearly forces at work that have agendas, you know, on all sides of the aisles, you know, everybody wants something. And I think, you know, the thing is, you had an unprecedented scenario last year, we hadn't had a pandemic literally for 100 years. Um, And of course, you know, people are locked inside and the government is scrambling to figure out what's going on. Um, and you have the George Floyd uh, killing, um, and you have people who have reached a, a boiling point on a number of issues, um, you know, and you had different groups. You had people protesting. You had people just ransacking things and burning things down. Um, you, had, you had all sorts of, of things happening in an uncertain time. 
You know, if you're if you're in in April of the pandemic, you know, for all you know, everybody's going to die. Um, you know, that is, and yeah. if you're in New York City, I mean, that's what's being reported. That's what you're seeing. The hospitals were overfilled. I remember watching the USS Comfort pull in into the Hudson River, went by my building and thinking, oh my goodness, like this is terrifying. What, what's going to happen? And so I think you have a, a confluence of all these different things happening. And sure, people will take advantage of these situations um, for whatever purpose. You know, we had a Chaz in my neighborhood uh, downtown. Um, which was an interesting, you know, kind of kind of environment. You had you had violence. Some of the protests are 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 you know valid. Some of these things were not. Some of them were criminal acts. Um, and so I'm sure that that if you know somebody wanted to take advantage of the unrest at the time, uh, it was a good opportunity to do so. You know, I think what's interesting is that. You know, you have almost exactly a year later, uh, the same people who were calling to defund the police are now changing their their narrative, you know, um, to refund the police or, oh, my goodness, yeah. this is what happens when you don't fund the police. You know, and of course, there was another incident that happened uh, early in 2020, which was the bail reform uh, in New York City. And this is just bad timing. Uh, to have bail reform and then a pandemic and then, you know, defund the police movement and all these things happen at the same time. Um, it was just a lot of bad things happening simultaneously. Uh, and I think it has, has, again, I think the city was already on the decline, but it just accelerated us immediately to that point of, you know, make it or break it. New York will come back. We don't know how it's going to come back. It could be positive, could be negative, but you've done brilliant work with This Is New York. Thank how you. can people watch it? Where did it go to? You know, it's free to watch on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for This Is New York. There's three main episodes. Uh, we just put up a, a, a fourth and a fifth episode. Uh, the fifth episode went up a couple of days ago. Uh, one is with Dan Biederman talking about the turning of Bryant Park, which is a fascinating story. It's a short clip. And others about uh, immigrants who come to the city and, and uh, what it means to be an immigrant coming to New York City uh, historically and, and for your children. And so uh, there's a number of things to watch. And, you know, we have other things that will be coming and being added to the channel as we go along. Which was my final question. Do you plan to, you know, come back and do more filming maybe in a year or so, see where it all shook out and where we're at? We plan on doing a long feature length film about New York City and its great transition turnaround. Uh, and so that is one of the things that is is in the works right now, because, um, again, you know, I, I love New York City history. Uh, and, and the great thing about New York City is that you're constantly living in history. You know, this is all this is all they're going to write history books about all the things we're talking about. You know, the pandemic, the, the Black Lives Matters movement, uh, the police, what happened. I mean, this is all this is all history that's happening right now. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we will continue to capture this we will continue to talk to people and add them to the channel and as people you know as the opinions change and things get better or get worse you know we want to really be there as a as a historical document to kind of explore all these these uh stories and when broadway reopens and the first tourists start trickling in get your cameras out 
capture it because it'll be a beautiful moment. Matthew Taylor, thank you for being on my show. Good luck with the documentary, and I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.